Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Continental O-E-T-S. You can find weird things in your car, not just petrified French fries or melted crayons. Live snakes. Weird, bizarre trinkets. Stuff that makes you wonder, what the hell are folks thinking when they're driving? Anyway, you can also find Continental Belts. Bet you didn't know they're OE in millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, BMW, VW, and GM vehicles. Continental is launching a new aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series. Fanatically engineered for a perfect fit. Form and function for over 98% of vehicles on the road in the U.S. and in Canada. Continental. OE Technology Series Multi-V Belt. The belt with the OE pedigree. Get the full story at OETechnologySeries.com. That's OETechnologySeries.com. Hey, everyone. It's Adam Carolla, and welcome to another episode of Going Racing, a show that highlights the fastest cars, best races, and biggest celebrities in the automotive world. And now, here's a conversation with Matt about some of the cars we saw in Monterey. Oh, man, hectic, uh, hectic travel schedule, hectic weeks going on, hectic work schedules. Uh, I think, Bill, you're finally taking a breath, getting your head above water uh, with the crazy travel and work schedule. And uh, I just got back from the five-day road trip to Monterey Car Week and back. Uh, By the way, great event. It's just, you know how these things go. It's just like you're up late and you're hanging out with everybody and you're going to the events. There is nobody crying for either one of us right now. (laughs) Nobody is. It's We're not asking for it, ladies and gentlemen. The just, only just to put it, you know, just to put it out there, we're not asking for it. We're just stating facts. Yeah, it's it was uh it was fun, and we're back into the groove. And uh, Monterey was fantastic, and uh, we had a great uh, a great uh, group of people with us. Uh, and Adam did a live show. We did some racing, and we'll get into the racing side of things uh, uh, later in this week when I do the show with Adam um, and some of the fun antics and things like that that went on, but. Uh, but uh, uh, I will tell you this, uh, Bill, this time we, we did it right. We had a friend fly in from Seattle who is a chef, and he brought 40 pounds of meat, $1,000 of caviar. He came to the house. Uh, Dan Wood, the chef, he came to the house, the Airbnb, cooked on Friday night for everybody. And then he's like, I'd love to cook at the track. So we loaded up the barbecue from the Airbnb took it to the track, barbecued, and then everybody came by, like Alistair Weaver from Edmonds. Like, everybody was like, hey, man, it smells good over here. <laughs> and he had uh, a, a pork and beef and steak and just like it was a fantastic, epic, epic event. And the only one crying about any of it is Chris because he couldn't go. <laughs> well, if anybody if there were, if anybody had a spoonful of sympathy about your travel, it was just eaten or thrown out because of the uh, chef. <laughs> the chef that um, came in indoor story. He brought yeah, forty pounds of meat. And the guy was fantastic. Oh, it was uh, it was awesome, um, man. So uh, here's some here's some uh, 
some Monterey stuff that that went on. First of all, you and I talked about the McLaren GT, and you, I were you were traveling at one point, and you got a glimpse of the car in person. I finally got a chance to see the car in person, and uh, you and I are both fans of McLaren. So there's a few news stories about McLaren, but. Uh, I posted a few um, images on my on my Instagram, my social media, Facebook and Instagram of the new McLaren GT. What a pretty car! You know, I don't. I, okay, I, so could you see any discernible difference in size at all? I I because don't. I'll, you know, I, uh, you know, it, it, there there isn't except for it holds a a golf club, you know, a golf bag instead of a pair of shoes. Yeah, I think I think what they did is they they. Whatever existing model or platform, maybe a 570 or something that they were, they were building on, and it looks like they changed the bodywork, like the hatch that would cover the motor. They raised it up a little bit higher, gave it a little bit flatter angle to it, and uh, and put a storage compartment above the engine, and it made it into a into a hatchback with sort of a shallow storage. But you can open the hatch. You got a nice big leather, you know, a, a you know, storage place there that goes right into the cockpit. I can't say for sure if there's more shoulder room or anything, but possibly the way they configured it, it might have a little more headroom and maybe the seat could go back a little bit further. Um, But I don't know that height is so much the issue as shoulder room with getting, you know, you in a car like that. Right. Yeah, so those, I, those cars are are very lacking in that area. But you, you know, let's just be honest. It's a beautiful car. I'm glad you got to see it in person. I'm sure that it was uh, as visually spectacular as the, the photos you took are. And uh, you know, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be nice. I I you're right. I will reach out to McLaren and find a way for you to to give it a give it a test drive. Now we know it is a a high-end sports car. It's meant to be a little snug. Those seats and everything. Otherwise, you 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 know, you just get a Yukon, right? <laughs> well, yeah, there's a lot of comfort in that tight feeling, but you know, it's it's you can have that tight feeling in the seat and still have room in the cabin to move around a tiny bit. And, you know, you, you give up what, depending upon what you're asking for, there's certain areas you're giving up and Hey, that's one of the areas you give up and it is what it is. Yeah. And you, you gotta, you gotta kind of learn different things about these cars and they're, they're not for everyone. And, uh, I, I mean, I'd be honest with you, like when I was driving the 720S, I think you've heard us, we were talking a little bit about this before, maybe a while ago, last year, or doing doing the shows. And uh, I was driving the 720s, and I, you know, I was filming some stuff for them, and I posted it up on uh, on Instagram. And uh, Steve Austin was in his LA house. He's a he's a neighbor of mine, and he sends me a text. Hey, brother, what what's the uh, what's with the McLaren? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just driving. He's like, come on over. And uh, and I go over there, and uh, I know he's taken a couple of bumps in the ring, and the way that door opens and that kind of a scissor door up, he had a hard time. He's like, my shoulder doesn't go that way. <laughs> you know, trying to grab the door and close it. He's like, this is a little more difficult than I thought, like possibly the gullwing door or or like Aston Martin. It kind of goes out and up a little bit, but that uh, it's just something to consider, like depending on – on your age and the life you've lived and, and maybe, uh, 
you know, maybe for Steve Austin, the the, Mc, the McLaren's not the best car for him. <laughs> no, nah, you know, but like you say, you, uh, like I said, you got to sacrifice in certain areas to have the best in others. So, yeah, you, know, you can't uh, uh, having the best of both worlds. You know, sacrifices the performance of that car. So, um, I, it's a McLaren, man. So, yeah, you got to pour yourself in and out of it. Wear it like a suit. Wear like a suit. And uh, uh, speaking of McLaren, um, one of your favorite cars, I don't know if you've had a chance to drive them or even try to crawl into one. $30 million. Oh, my God. Oh, well, it's 19.8. The the McLaren F1, this is the three-seater that we love. You know, Leno's got his. This is the McLaren F1 uh, LM. Uh, spec car. There was, uh, I believe, 106 McLarens, the F1s, only two LM spec cars. Now, it's sold, and it's sold for a crazy number. The estimate was high. It was 21 to 23 million, but this hammered at 18, and then when you add the VIG and everything, you're at $19.8 million, and I, I still like, I dig this car, you dig this car. I think Corolla's like a little less on this car um, uh, than than we are. I just love what it represents, and I just love the performance of the car. And, and it's still just like this insane car. And I don't know, when did it come out? Like 94, 93? 94. Yeah, 94. It's like what it was able to do back then still holds now as one of the most capable cars out there. Um, That's unbelievable. It is Once unbelievable. You consider how far technology has gone, it's, it's unbelievable fathomable that something like that was built at that time. And you know what's interesting is is like to start to get to that performance in the hypercar world. Now we now we live in a world where potentially a new C eight Corvette uh you know for a hundred thousand uh, dollars can can get up to some of those specs. I don't know, maybe it doesn't have quite the top end or something or the exclusivity, but uh but nowadays it's like what do what do you get? You get a you get a you get a Bugatti that's millions of dollars or a Pagani that's millions of dollars, or you get into one of these upcoming uh all electric hypercars. Like you know, it's it's amazing that we have to have it's so tough to kind of reach the performance of the McLaren F1, and it's uh, it's definitely in a rarefied world. Um, but it was cool to see. We went out there. We saw it. It was also lined up next to a bunch of other supercars, Celine S7. Uh, Ken Lingenfelter had his, uh, his dark purple Vector out there. Now, it didn't sell, which is interesting. Um, I think it's a, it's a cool car, uh, an American car supercar from back in the day and i think early versions had a lamborghini v12 and then later versions i think had a donovan v8 engine it's kind of a uh, sort of a nascar stock car style of engine something with the racing pedigree in it and uh uh, his car is is fantastic and i think he was looking for something like I don't know, 250000 for it. And uh, uh, I guess the, nobody was in the room for it. Um, it got a high bid of about $120,000, and I think he ended up taking it home. Uh, he didn't need to sell it. Um, I, I'm not even – we, we haven't had a chance to talk to him. I'm wondering why he put it up there. But uh, uh, but look, he he's enjoyed the car. It's been in his, in his museum where he does all the charity events. All the kids love that car. They come in, and I know he likes to mix up the collection every now and then. 
And uh, he's such a nice guy that a lot of the things he puts in his collection are really just for all the kids that come in there. He's never seen a Transformers movie, but he bought cars from the Transformers because he knows the kids and the McDonald's, whatever foundation that they bring all these kids, they're going to lose their mind when they see that stuff. So he's like, I bought the whatever, the Pontiac uh, uh, something something from uh, Transformers movies. Like, oh, that's awesome. Have you seen the movies? Like, no, I don't even know what that movie is. I just heard the kids <laughs> would love it. I was like, you're a good man. You're a good dude, Ken Lingenfelter. And uh, so I guess like Ken Lingenfelter is a good dude as an understatement. Yeah, he's he really is. Um, uh, we always enjoy. Uh, we got to have him on this show. We've had him on the other shows, Shift and Steer and, and Carcast, the other shows. But we got to have him on here because uh, because he's got a, a, a fleet of muscle cars and things that he loves as well. And he's he's always out there doing Optima Challenge that we don't get to talk about too much with uh, with Adam uh, because we get too much into his Ferraris and stuff. And you know, like we said before, he's the guy where he's like, "Look, I got this letter in the mail," and Ferrari said, "Congratulations." You've been selected to purchase a LaFerrari. It was like, you got a letter in the mail that says, you are so lucky you get to give our company $1.5 million. He's like, it's the best letter ever. I was like, really? I was like, okay. It's a weird letter to get. So congratulations. You get to give us a bunch of your money. Uh, I'm living on a different plane. Man. It, it really the is. Exclusivity of that letter. Like, you know, it, my brother gets those. I know, know. your brother, and, and we never really talk about that too much. But your brother has an amazing Ferrari collection, right? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's a freak, and uh, <laughs> he's got a nice little Daytona, a forty, a fifty, and an Enzo. And uh, he would have gotten the FXX, but it wasn't uh, street legal, and he kind of. He kind of stopped there, um, although that's a pretty cool little handful of Ferraris. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Taking and, those things on Independence Pass, uh, you know, my both my brothers and I, the 40 to 50 and the Enzo, and then just switching every time we get to the top of the hill. It's a, it's a pretty bitching deal, you know. you got two brothers, right? You've got the, the restaurateur down in uh, – he's out here, right? He's down in Southern California? Yeah, Solana Beach. And then your other brother is uh, Aspenite. Where is he? Aspen. Aspen. He's in Colorado. Who's the, who's the older brother, little brother? Where do you where do you rank in the? Uh, oh, I'm uh, 16 years younger than my closest brother, who's two years younger than my eldest brother. Oh, you're the baby. Oh yeah, you're the baby. Are your brothers big mildly. boys? Are they big boys? Because I wonder, like, what does your brother oh, yeah. say about, like, oh, oh I, yeah. can I fit in this car or can I fit in that car? Like, does that play a big factor in their car shopping? Um, they're from a different era, and you know, they surely didn't have the options that we have, right? Um, so it's kind of a take, take it or take. It's it's follow your passion. My mm-hmm. eldest brother, the Ferrari, you know, collector, uh, started my, uh, you know, European sports car uh, uh, thirst with his XK70 XKE convertible V12, you know, oh, yeah. British racing green. And I used to drive it in high school. Wow. And, uh, you know, he, he started buying Ferraris after that, but he was a Jaguar guy in the, in the beginning. 
So your brother, but, uh, I, I could see the the age difference. Your brother being a big influence on 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 you, but certainly on your your love of cars. He it sounds like he he certainly introduced you into. I would say a realm of cars which are not common, like an XKE or something. It's just not, you know, it's it's you know, it's different. My brother drove a Mustang, so I got into Mustangs, right? We were driving Fox body Mustangs and now I'm stuck with that hunk of shit of a car, which well, I Well, I didn't get into muscle cars <laughs> from my brothers. They were already gone. Um I they had no influence during those years, mm-hmm. you know, early on in my life. When I was a little kid, that's when their their uh, auto uh, taste, you know, kind of bled down to me. But when I was in high school, it was all my buddies, older brothers that had the chargers and, you know, the GTXs and the RTs and yeah. the Mustangs. And they, they had all the cars, which were very impressionable, impressional, impress. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, they, they reflected very well on, upon me during that period of time. And I, those are the cars that I always aspire to, to get. Now the Jag was one that I aspired to get too because of that other influence, but it was different, you know, like you said. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know. I love that all three of you boys have wildly different careers, but such go getters all successful in the, in the three careers that you guys went after. Uh, yeah, we're different. You know, both my older brothers are kind of molding into the same person now in that they're in the <laughs> restaurant business together, the nightclub business together and live music together, business together. So, um, but, but yeah, they were a huge influence on me, man. No doubt. Um, my brother used to, to go out. I mean, he, I told you the story about him flipping his indie light out in Aspen Oof. and Danny Sullivan, you know, and I jumping in the defender to get him right after Sullivan had that crash in the Indy 500. Um, and his, he was in a, in a, in a full cast up to his hip. And he was driving this defender around the track and the wheels felt like they were all coming off the ground every time we went around the corner. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, they, they, they made, they've been huge influences, you know, on my, uh, my cars. All right. Well, Let's see what happens when the new McLaren GT comes around. If you fit in one, you can call your brother and go, hey, we might fit a McLaren GT. Who's in? Well, you know, he, I don't, he's not of that. He, he's not there right now. He's more into the driving his, his you know, 52-foot-long Prevost oh, yeah. uh, around the country with his family because he's got two little kids now. I mean, he, I don't know how much time he spends in his cars, and he's not in the market for new stuff. He's... You know that 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 uh, the little collection he's got, I think, is the end all. But um, yeah, there's a, there's a GT with my name on it somewhere. Uh, so we'll see, man. We'll see what yeah. happens. I, I I I really need to sit and that's for sure. But I'm I'm unfortunately of the opinion that the cockpit is configured the same, and the only difference in them classifying in a GT is the, in the, the the trunk, quote unquote, is a little bit bigger. Yeah. Well, well, we'll reach out to our friends at McLaren. They're always they're they're great. We've done a bunch with them before, and we'll see what uh, what they say as far as as far as room in there and some specs in there. Um, we got some more Monterey stuff I want to tell you about. All right, so uh, when we went out there, we went to one of our favorite events, which is the uh, which is the Acura party. They always do an unveiling. 
um, at the, I don't know, Carmel Valley Lodge or something. Uh, they always host a nice event. It's always great people. Our friend Dave Merrick, who's the uh, the, the creative director at Acura, uh, is always there. And um, it was exciting to see. You guys have seen probably on social media and in the news, you saw this blue Acura four-door sedan, kind of a mid-size sedan, the new TLX. It's the TLX uh, concept. It's a gorgeous-looking sedan. But the real uh, news behind it is Acura is bringing back the Type S mark. You know, they had the Integra, you know, uh, Type S, and it was sort of their high-performance line of cars. And I felt like I'm not picking on Acura, but certainly other than the Acura NSX, they sort of lost a little bit of that uh, performance, uh, you know, uh, acumen for a while. They have the Civic Type R now, um, which is which is kind of cool for for that genre of car. But the Type S Mark is something that I felt like they could have been rolling with for a while now and really kind of built it up and competed with M and and Audi RS and things like that and AMG. And it is nice to know that that was their big announcement. They're saying, hey, we're bringing back Type S, and we want to make some high-performance cars. And I said, hey, I, I went right up to them, and, and I, I don't know what sort of news is out there yet or or what's embargoed. But it, so you know, hopefully we're not getting in trouble for this. But I said – I talked to them and I said, hey, what, what can we expect from Type S? Is this going to be a cosmetic thing? You're going to throw some badges on and, and some body kit? And they said, no, no, no. We want to go after performance. We want the TLX sedan to go after like Audi RS4. And I said, well, those are some big shoes to fill. And, uh, and they said, yes, and we're excited to go after that. So um, – Audi's big uh, performance handling thing is what they call the SH uh, all-wheel drive, super handling all-wheel drive. And uh, so I would imagine the new TLX sedan, you know, the base trim will probably be front-wheel drive, uh, 200-something horsepower. It'll be a nice car. And then the Type S is probably going to be the all-wheel drive version, and it's probably going to have – uh, a, a more aggressive body and a lowered stance and better performance all around and a nice bump in horsepower and uh, I I would I'm excited to see what they do with this and if they take a little bit of influence from NSX as well. Um, you guys know I'm a fan of the NSX. I I know maybe it's not selling as well as they want. By the way, huge discounts like thirty thousand dollar discounts. So if you love that car, now's the time to go and get it. And uh, it's one of the one of the easiest to drive supercars out there. So the, the, for that reason, I love it. Um, so anyway, that's that's the big announcement from Acura is bringing back Type S. I'm told there's going to be two Type S vehicles in their lineup, but they only said the TLX is going to be one of them. I have no idea what the other one's going to be. So I don't know. Like, are are you are are you what do you think of the super sedans? Are you a fan of like the the M5s and the Audi RS7s and the Porsche Panameras? Are you a super sedan kind of guy? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean there's there's a place for them. No no doubt. I mean look at look at what they're doing with the uh, wide body charger. It's kind of the same. Yeah, it is. That's super sedan category. as well. That, I mean it's the same, I mean so to ask me that question, yeah, it's my favorite car coming out. So that that to me is the most favorable 
category because it provides room and and you know equivalent horsepower or you know performance. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. I mean we we somehow we we forget to categorize that car in in that same group. You think Audi RS4 and you should think uh Charger, you know, Hellcat uh, as well. Yeah, as I don't know, maybe it's just as I get older, I kind of dig the super sedans uh more and more and uh, I'm becoming a big fan of them. Um you know, the super SUVs is kind of a different category. They're fun to drive. Uh I'm not sure that it 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 that I'm the audience for it. Um maybe it needs a little bit more of a family-oriented thing or different weather conditions where you want a little bit of lift to it. But uh, on the super SUV front, uh, Aston Martin has been uh, talking more about what they call the DBX. It's an Aston Martin SUV. And uh, unfortunately, there was a there was a private showing of the vehicle. I wasn't able to go. We just had too many things going on at once. Um, but uh, I hear good things about it. It has a lot of... Uh, you know, SUV has a lot of Aston Martin design to it. Um, there's there's spy photos up and, and the camouflage photos of it, all that are out there. And uh, what we're hearing is the DBX will have the same V8 that's in the Vantage V8. So this is a, a four-liter twin-turbo V8. It's from AMG, the, the Mercedes brand. It's an, it's an AMG-sourced four-liter twin-turbo V8 uh, I think in the Vantage, it's like 503 or 508 horsepower. I would expect it to be that. I don't think they want to put a four in front of it. I think the DBX sells better if it's 500-something. If it's 495, it doesn't do as well. Although I feel like we had the same discussion about the Corvette. You know, we're like, why isn't it just 500 horsepower? And we're like, instead of the 495 or whatever it is. But I think uh, think Aston's going to put a five in front of it uh, one way or another. Tune in next week for another episode of Going Racing. New episodes available on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts.